suspect in that massive leak of Pentagon secrets in federal court in Boston today, less than 24 hours after his arrest. 21-year-old Jack Teixeira had top-secret clearance as an IT specialist with the Massachusetts Air National Guard. Teixeira comes from a family with strong military ties. His mother volunteered with a veteran. As the world watches and listens in horror, the peaceful pro-democracy demonstration in China comes to a violent and bloody end. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The scope of the leak is still coming into focus, but the FBI already accuses Jack Teixeira of Wolves the hiding nearby. Father retired after Whispering a 34-year career with the The 102nd intelligence senior year quote in his high school yearbook, Actions Speak Louder Than Words. Online, Teixeira allegedly leading a group of about two dozen mostly young men and teen boys on the discussion forum Discord. The group tell the Washington Post Teixeira was known as OG. Most of access to classified material, they said, and most of the secrets for them to see. They spread those posts far beyond the small chat group and they made their way around the world. Teixeira held a top secret security clearance. Federal prosecutors said he improperly and unlawfully retained and transmitted national defense information to people not authorized to receive it. There is another very important phase of warfare. It has as its target not the body, but the mind of the enemy. The target of psychological warfare is against the enemy's mind. It is words and ideas. Ammunition used by firewall. Its mission is to influence the thoughts of the enemy soldiers. And at the same time, is expected and encouraged to study foreign languages and the social sciences such as history, economics, and sociology. He must have a broad and sympathetic understanding of all phases of human experience. Gripping at my skin, the walls of night closes. I have information from various sources uh, that uh, judges, law enforcement, prosecutors, you cannot tell anybody about what you saw or what you want to This is called war. To decrease the enemy's ability to form without killing them. Participants receive the incapacitating agent by inhalation. A low dose of agent was fed into the mixing hall, causing serious damage to the national security of the United States. One of the best ways of taking over the world is to control people's minds. These are the Psy War soldiers. Hey, it's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major auto podcasters and Odyssey as well. Uh, that was a dope ass edit that was made by one of my guests tonight. Uh, she'll tell you about it here in a second. Uh, I do want to let you guys know how this works. Uh, it's Patreon.com's No Way Jose 2020 if you want to have access to content earlier. 
Uh, these go up as live streams for patrons. Uh, this will go up probably in a few days from when it originally is being aired. Uh, but yeah, if you want to have access to it, like I said, I gave you the site. But lowest level is two bucks, highest level is 20. 20 is my sponsor. Sponsors Mikel Thorpe of the Expat Money Show. Jeremy Rhymes, who has an Etsy store, Etsy.com slash shop at, at Raising Liberty or slash Raising Liberty. I'm going to have brain farts all, all, a whole bunch today. And then also have Jeremy, or I just said him, Toad, uh, my co host on Tower Gang. Yeah, you can uh, find him on the Tower Gang show. You can also follow, follow him on Twitter. I am all tongue tied today. Uh, at Tower Gang Toad, if you want to follow him there. Uh, that's our, my offensive comedy show, Targeting. So, uh, you know, if you don't like that, don't watch it. Uh, just there's your fair warning. Uh, then I also have Zach Overacker at Z O V E R A C K. And then also Mike Dagalish. Uh, also, make sure you go to toplobs.com. You can get the Yiki shirt that I got here. I just want to keep trying to keep this short. Let's go ahead and get into our guests. Christina and Ken, what's up? Hey. 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 Uh tell tell us a little bit of that video. How hard was it to do? I'm a tech retard that looks like a lot of fucking work. I'm like, "Holy shit, this audio is all perfect." Everything. No. It, it, I swear it wasn't a lot of work, but basically what I wanted to do was take the pre-existing eighth psyops video where they basically tell you who and what they are and like what they do. The video itself is sort of like a psyop also. So I kind of wanted to remix that and just include different things, things about the uh, Jack Tijeris story, but also just other pieces of things that I thought went in there well. So I just kind of had like an artistic vision when I woke up and I just sat there and edited it for like hours. <laughs> awesome. Christine, like, you want to remind... You want to remind the audience who you are? I know you've been on the show before, but uh, who you are, kind of the rough sort of work you do. I know you're kind of like me and you cover a lot of different stuff, but I guess kind of what you're more known for. And yeah, that's, that's just go. <laughs> yes, I'm an independent journalist. I have a YouTube channel, Radix Farum. Uh, I'm on Twitter also and a bunch of other places. And I cover whatever I find interesting, I guess, probably most well-known right now for the documentary I'm working on on the Whitmer kidnapping case. Hell yeah. And then we got Ken on the bottom. Uh, I fucking love Ken. He's always putting out crazy-ass work. That, like, good shit. It's weird. Uh, and uh, so whenever the, I first wanted to do this episode, I mean, if anyone looked at the title, which I'm sure you did whenever you ever opened this, uh, it's why Oklahoma City bombing still matters. I mean, anyone who's been following my show knows I've been kind of on a tear on that lately. And that's kind of been the big, little bit of the feedback I've gotten is, uh, like, why it matters. And, and I think we're kind of make the case here and i think ken is a perfect example of why it matters when you look at his body of work and i'm pretty sure i think you were kind of semi red pilled by the whole oklahoma city bombing story so there you go but uh ken i know you've been on my show multiple times but go ahead and let the audience know who you are again and uh kind of let them know about your body work roughly and then maybe it'll click for the audience sure well thanks for having me on again uh i'm a reporter for headline usa uh, you could also find a lot of my work for the Libertarian Institute, and I primarily primarily cover uh, FBI corruption, malfeasance, and just overall uh, growing uh, U.S. police state. All right, awesome. But yeah, Christina here, basically the Michigan stuff. Also, we kind of all swim in the same water somewhat with the stuff we like to cover. Uh, and then Ken kind of covers Michigan, OKC, and a bunch of other shit as well. Uh, he's kind of the, the mix between us two. 
like I said, like I, I did bring up because it was probably between going like probably the biggest thing. I got a big bump from going part of the palm recently. I, probably the biggest feedback I noticed, and I've heard this elsewhere too, is like, well, why does this matter? Why does this matter? This is some shit from '95. And for one, I can give you a fucking write a whole paper on why it matters. But we're we're gonna kind of I think I want to breeze over stuff. I, I guess first off, we can kind of start with I think the the best reason is because it's like it's still within that time range that it fucking matters. And there are people whose ass is on the line. So if you can actually make it ping, make it pop it, you can get people. And also we're at a point where there's so much documents, this, that, that it's like built such a massive case. Uh, yeah. I mean, Ken, you're probably the, the work that immediately comes to mind is Garland. And I'm sure maybe some other pieces come to mind, but if you want to take a moment and speak on the people that are still in power that are related to the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, in really any form, it's actually quite crazy when you know the people that are involved. It's a lot of a lot of big names that are high up that uh, you know that even just like normies would be like, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you've asked me to explain Garland and the significance of the Attorney General uh, before, and. Mm-hmm. I think I might not have done it justice. So I went, I tried to memorize this quote from your sitting attorney general who said, quote, it doesn't matter if there were two people in that rider truck or a hundred people. The only person on trial is Timothy McVeigh. Uh, that's our sitting attorney general who knows that there was others involved in the Oklahoma city bombing, but actively covered it up. I think everybody should have that quote memorized it should be on, you know, T-shirts, posters, everything, uh, because, like I said, the top law enforcement official of, of this country is still covering up the most, uh, the deadliest domestic terrorism act in uh, American history. Yeah, I vaguely remember too. There was later that he made some comments. This was after uh, all that hullabaloo that that he basically he knew there was John Doe too. Like he said it in in your kind of flippant comments. Uh, I, I believe that was actually in your article. So it's not something that he just, you know. I don't know. It's you can't can't give him too much benefit of the doubt because it's like he knows. Uh, he's the top guy. Like he theoretically could do something about it. I forget his exact role at the time. Do you remember what his role was in the case? Was he the lead prosecutor or or what was the specific role he was taking? Yeah, he worked for the DOJ yeah. out of Washington D.C. And the DOJ wanted somebody from, they call it Maine Justice, all the FBI agents and lawyers who work in D.C., they're the Maine Justice. So he was kind of the D.C.'s representative. They sent him out to Oklahoma as a liaison between the the big powers that be and the local people in Oklahoma. That was kind of his official role. You could call him an errand boy. He didn't have a whole lot of power. He did, however, prosecute McVeigh's preliminary hearing, which uh, Jesse Trenadu has called it at the time, it was the most important preliminary hearing in the history of the country. Uh, that's where they confirm that, yes, we're moving forward with these charges against Timothy McVeigh. And that's where that quote I had referenced, where he said, it doesn't matter if there were two people in the truck or a hundred people, the only person's on trials McVeigh, because he was trying to say, you know, we're going to concentrate on the one guy and make sure we convict him. It doesn't matter if there were others involved because that would affect the uh, the integrity of what I'm trying to do, my case. 
Yeah, which I mean, I guess to be fair, maybe there's some case to be had, but when you add into add into it the role that he fills and the role that he filled then, and then add on top of it, the, the, one of the big things Bill Clinton and many other individuals uh, within the you know upper echelon of those people, uh, the the ones in charge, whatever you want to call them at that time, uh, were made tons of statements about how no stone left unturned stuff like that so uh yeah it, it, it is there's a lot of people i mean there's eric holder which i mean i don't think we have anything necessarily as uh, damning against him but he was uh integral to the cover-up stuff with trying to do uh what was it robert mueller as well i think mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean i'm not saying these people we know specific things they did theoretically wrong but it's like let's be real they were in key positions within these things going on so like yeah they probably did some fucked up shit. (laughs) Yeah. It was when, when Merrick Garland, he was put up for nomination by Obama to be on the Supreme court in 2016. And it wasn't successful because Republicans knew that Obama was a lame duck. So they kind of just stalled until Trump took office. Uh, But it was during his confirmation hearings that Garland insisted that we got everybody involved in Oklahoma city they were all brought to justice. And this, these, there was a bunch of puff pieces about how he masterfully handled the investigation and the prosecution. But all you have to do is read the transcripts from the preliminary hearing and you know he was lying. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be interested uh, with this if, I mean, I bet you I'd be willing to put money that there are probably ties between some of the people there and then Michigan. Because I think there... <laughs> I mean, hell, there. I know there's ties from, uh, Christina can talk to this, from the Michigan case to January 6th. I mean, a little bit higher up. It's not a perfect straight line, but like kind of. Uh, I mean, they, no, yeah, actually it is more of a straight line that I'm recalling. Uh, you can probably enlighten uh, the audience this, Christina, but the, uh, I know the Wolverine Watchmen at one point during one of their demonstrations got let into the Capitol, I believe. Uh, uh, they were kind of ushered in by the, by the police. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. This was in um, uh, April of 2020. They had an anti-lockdown protest. And Adam Fox attended this protest, by the way, completely separate from the Wolverine Watchmen. He hadn't met those guys yet. Um, He just happened to be there, ironically, which may be how he got on the radar. Um, But Dan Chappell was there with some members of the Wolverine Watchmen. They were armed, wearing their plate carriers and stuff like that. Uh, And Dan, he's wearing a wire. He's talking to his handling agents at the FBI in real time. And he says, oh, I think these guys are getting ready to do something. So the clowns at the FBI call the Lansing Capitol Police and tell them, uh, we want you guys to stand down, open the doors and like let everybody in. And they're like, "Okay." so they open the doors, they let everybody in. And these guys go through covid screening but needless to say, they're photographed inside the Capitol and, and the media is kind of splashing these images across, uh, you know, the front pages. And, and they're saying that these guys like stormed the building and they occupied it and looked big, scary and menacing. So they got their photo op and the Wolverine Watchmen got some uh, national attention from that, which was good for the FBI because the FBI needed to try to find people that they could recruit into the Wolverine Watchmen to set up as patsies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, they totally did that. That's like literally a dry run for January 6th. That was their idea. They mischaracterized what happened. 
Um, the pictures kind of look scary, but yeah, that's their dry run. And then the same kind of thing happens on January 6th. You have the same guy who was head of the Detroit field office, who uh, Stephen Duantuono, who's heading up the Washington, D.C. field office on January 6th, where the same thing happens. Yeah, no, and the, the kind of point I'm getting at is, like, I was trying to tie it. I was trying to think of, like, names, if I could think of names and other individuals. Uh, it's, a, it's a tangled web of connections. But I, I was, like, reaching in my head, grasping. I was like, there's got to be one FBI agent connected to another. But then I realized I'm coming up blank. But the point I'm getting at is roughly, you know, you have these people in power from things from, like, the mid-'90s or whatever. And the nature of the deep state is that these people stay there for forever. And even when they do leave, they usually pass on to their – they pass on their information through their protégés, their protocols, their methods, you know, all, all that stuff. And so you can once you start seeing these things, it, it it's become so blatant. I mean, I know it feels so schizo when I, like you explain it, but you're like, I can see the patterns. And like once you can see the patterns, you're like, oh, this is easy. Like it's like, you know, once you have your like Rosetta Stone, you can just kind of. Uh, 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 and like, yeah, I mean, the key is not to like go too deep into the schizo and immediately be like, I know it. Like you have to be like, oh, I think this is it. But like, I don't know. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to rave like a madman about it until I get some sort of like fucking something to back it up. But like you, you legit get to a point where you're just like, oh, this, that. Oh, yeah, that's like this. That's like I, I bet you it's that. And, and it, it really does completely, uh, you know, key you into whatever the hell's going on. Like, but for example, the Texera stuff, it looks like, Christina, like you did a kind of a deep dive on this. I did no deep dive at all. It looks like we came to basically the same conclusion. I literally just looked yeah. at a few little Twitter headlines and stuff and just puzzled it together. And you're like, yeah, it <laughs> looks like we're about right. <laughs> like, uh, But I guess that's yeah. a kind of a good semi-transition to texera and like i, I kind of want to hear what 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 have you got from this deep dive because it's kind of it is Not i don't much. really know how to explain it other than this is fucking wild <laughs> like, it's super weird it's a bizarre yeah. story so like the first reports i guess were suggesting that this information that somehow made its way onto the internet uh from discord or wherever was a russian operation uh and then that changed and then the story was an orthodox zoomer racist gamer uh <laughs> had some, awesome. <laughs> yeah had some server where he was just you know in some special boy fight and then to like win some argument he just starts posting this stuff and that isn't what happened either you know um but the way that the whole thing is handled was very questionable and i think very obvious so you've got belling cat they're supposedly the ones that identify him and i still have questions about how they were able to do that based on like a granite countertop in a picture you know of a mostly of a document so they just saw little things in like the corner of the picture and were to believe that somehow you know through magic they were able to like identify this kid right away and then everybody in his discord server and they go and interview them uh, and, and just the way that it was presented was very strange to me. So I think that there's definitely a lot more going on here than they're uh, telling us. Um, and then I question the documents themselves uh, and what actually was the big national security thing here and how this is kind of going to be used, of course, to push for more. Oh, we need to go after insider threats. Oh, look at these gamers, these orthodox people. 
<laughs> you know, the, I think that, yeah, it's obviously, it's an op as we say, yeah, <laughs> whether the, by design or they're, you know, uh, using it, um, to make it into an op, I can't say, but yeah. it's definitely an op. Yeah. The, my read on the situation real quick and, and tell me if I'm wrong. I, I watched, I think I did watch one of your videos later and may have watched something else. And it was like, okay, it seems to be, I'm kind of on the right track. My read is and this first part of my list is like something I kind of came, I guess I wouldn't say the conclusion, but to the vibe of later, uh, I, I think he would likely probably was in these group chats. I think there was whether, you know, some sort of operative of some sort, you know, hey, buddy, hey, friend, and was kind of feeding him info of some sort because it does seem weird that he had some of this stuff. So somehow he's getting this other stuff. Yeah. I, bet, I bet you someone else in a group was feeding him information uh, and they probably alerted the journalists who then, you know, get to play the game of being, you know, undercover informant or whatever and then they leak it you know it becomes a circular thing where it kind of they then i mean it is kind of like how much of this is like contrived to like they kind of play like this is what happened but essentially they knew they were gonna they bring them in and then you know it, it becomes this weird bastardized mixture of media and and state here and uh and yeah then and then from there then they the two of you know kind of merge at the hip the media and the state here and essentially now they're doing this thing where they're doing this controlled release of the documents that weirdly haven't been that widely proliferated as opposed yeah. to supposedly being such a damning crazy shit. <laughs> like oh, yeah, they're sharing the scoops, by the way. They're deciding yeah. who gets what. They're dividing it amongst themselves. Like, yeah. I can't think of a smarter, fed, well, not smarter, but like a more fetty fed up I guess. Well, and, like... and then watching the media like dox this guy before yes. the feds and then cheer for him to be arrested and say oh he's not a whistleblower because he, he's against their narrative if what he was revealing they like then they would say oh he's wonderful he's a hero you know like eric charmella like uh vindman you know then he's a hero and we have to protect him and he's defending our sacred democracy yeah, and it's funny because everyone tries to bring up what's his face, fucking um, the rush, the dude over in Russia, Snowden. Snowden. Everyone tries to bring up him and like, look at all the painstaking efforts he went to make sure he did everything right. But it's like, yeah, he's like, I mean, if you don't, I mean, I know there's people who think he's some sort of off as well. But let's say he's not an off. It's like, okay, but he still got fucked. <laughs> so like, you're not making the point you think you're making, and also it's like you're fucked either way. Like, I really think, uh, I mean, the, the frequent example I use is the. The date, well, the Dateline NBC fucking, uh, you know, surveillance videos, local home city bombing. It's like, yeah, some Fed tried to try to give it to them, and they fucking outed them. So it's like, it doesn't really matter. With like, if you go to the respectable institutions, like I guess maybe you might luck up, but it's like you're probably fucked no matter what. If anything, you're better off. I guess if you're a Texera character, you're fucked no matter what because you're, you know, in the military. But like, say you aren't some in the military, your best move. Get that information out as to anyone you can, any way you can, as widely, you know, cast as wide and as you can and just tell fucking everyone. Damn, be whatever sense of info there is. Like, because you're really, and don't go to anyone official because you'll get fucked. Like, like, it's weird. They're sending this like complete inverse of what the truth is. It, it's nuts, you know? Yeah. And I'll just throw it in there that Bellingcat, the publication that helped track down this whistleblower, is the same publication that was pushing the propaganda that Assad gassed his own people in Syria and things like that. So Bellingcat, it receives money from government organizations. It's practically an organ of the state. 
It basically, it, it's, it looked like a Fed cutout to me. Basically. It's a cutout. Yeah, yeah. that's how I, I view it. It's like a, a pro NATO uh, CIA cutout. They get money from the National Endowment for Democracy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, be, I bet you it's more <laughs> of like a Chomsky thing, which I'm sure both of you guys has heard the Chomsky line where he's like, uh, where he was talking to the reporter and it was the whole idea. He's like, uh, are, you th- are you basically saying I'm lying or whatever, basically grifting to be here? He's like, no, I'm basically saying that you wouldn't be here if you didn't have these opinions. And I think that's the bell probably kind of what's going on. Bell and cat effect. So I think there are people who are like, Oh, I'm doing great work. And you're like, no, you're just, I don't know that blue pill. And it's just like, that's why you got hired here. Cause you're just that much of adult. Like they're just like, this idiot will write whatever we want and do what we say. And he's all <laughs> about right. it. He's like, I'm fucking saving the world. <laughs> yeah. And they gave this, the, uh, the New York, um, New York Magazine, I think it might have been, gave a, a big profile, or maybe it was the New York Times, did this big profile on the belling ta- the belling cat clown who outed this guy, like, oh, we brought him in to work with us, and blah, 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 he's such a, look at all the great work he's done, you know, <laughs> which yeah. is funny. Yeah, no, it- I don't know. It, it, I, not really much. It really is. There's not too much to say about the text area stuff, because it is just so fuzzy at the moment but at the very least it's like this is this glows like the sun like it's and that i think is the usefulness of understanding things like okay see um the oklahoma city bombing like in this the wider story it really is it is like i think for so far as like conspiracy stuff or understanding the nature of the the deep state i think it's probably the best one of the best rosetta stones there is out there because it's it's Go ahead. I will say for Tajera, I feel very bad for him mm-hmm. because I think that, you know, people have already had their minds made up about him now, haven't mm-hmm. they? Because th- this is what the media does. They can just slander people. Um, I hadn't seen any evidence to suggest, like, show me the evidence. Show me the evidence that this kid posted this in the Discord server, first of all. Like, prove that. And then we'll take it from there. But I haven't even seen that. But they all rush to to judgment on him and, and to talk about what kind of person he is, which I don't think anybody can do that doesn't know him. Yeah. Can you so say I don't think he's going to get any kind of like fair coverage or fair trial. And it's very sad. Well, I was just wondering if Jose had any insight into how this kid had access to this top secret material when he was what like in the air guard in maine or something like that <laughs> air National guard. i mean we can get in the we can get in the weeds here because when it comes to guard and reserve units they have what's like i guess you could almost call them active like in the guard you have agrs they call them active guard no that's something else but essentially they have people who essentially are basically active duty but they're technically guard it, it's this weird in-between thing that they do uh, between guard and reserve. So it is like, I know a lot of people go, oh, guard, and don't get me wrong, right? I go, oh, guard, but there's like, there's traditional guard and there's, or guard reserves, and then there's like your full-time guard and full-time reserves. And basically they hold it down like a five day, five days a week type job and they're hired full-time and they're doing that. They're, if anything, usually a lot of times, I guess probably maybe differs from guard to reserves. A lot of times they're more competent than the actual, actual active duty guys. Uh, it's just kind of the culture that that goes into them because they being guard and reserve they have they're a little bit different than active they don't they don't have to worry about like their deployments are different they don't have to worry about like uh, being sent to other bases because they are that is their base like they're not going anywhere else unless they request it uh, so it's more of like a tight unit uh, but yeah I, I don't know so far as like him having access to it like 
I don't know what was it. I think his dad three. worked there too Did for okay. years. Yeah, okay. for the hundred and second intelligence branch. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe he had a full time job, uh, you know, there and was like a full time uh, guard. I, I don't remember what rank they said. He said it was either an A one C or a senior airman. Do either of you remember? Uh, and it was a low rank, but that does make a huge difference because like a one C you're getting probably, I mean, I wasn't ever Intel, so I wouldn't fucking know. I was a knuckle dragger. I was a, a mechanic, <laughs> but like so far I, I really, you know, just the general roles and responsibilities given to each rank. I feel like an a one C that's yeah, that's nonsense. Like, I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe somehow he could have got it one way or the other. Now we're getting into like how their uh, systems work, <laughs> I, which I've never really used like top secret sy uh, systems. Uh, but, you know, if he was a senior airman, it's a little bit more believable because that is when you do get into like more of a, I don't know, esteemed, I guess you can say. And there are like, I mean, it's still kind of like a junior individual, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't know. It, it really is like two in the weeds to know. I mean, it wouldn't, knowing how like working, being active duty for 11 years and like just kind of how government, pro, uh, you know, government things work. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if somehow he accidentally got or or maybe he had access to other things he wasn't supposed to, or maybe they were just being sloppy in their procedures. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Cause it, you know, you always see on shit like, Oh, military grade tough. And you're like, I don't mean a goddamn thing. <laughs> like, so like, I mean, obviously it's different military tough than that. They're talking about like the durability of an item, but the, the idea that the, the military is this like sophisticated entity. that's uh, like better than the private, you know, world. Not really. <laughs> so, I don't think so. Uh, so. I don't know. I mean, it does seem fishy to me. I mean, I, but I've never it like, really worked. It, it seems, seems weird. Insanely yeah. sloppy that I don't even like, how did he, they have a printer? How did he print <laughs> off these documents? From a skiff. <laughs> well, how is he transcribing them for months? He uh, supposedly, like this is what we're supposed to believe, was transcribing them. He was sitting in a skiff all day, hand typing them. I don't know on what device or how he was doing that because I don't think they're supposed to have that in a skiff. And then he, because he was bitching about how he had to transcribe them into the Discord server and his friends were mostly ignoring them, you know, because they just wanted to play video games. What the f so this guy's the one guy in the group chat dropping walls of text. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Top secret, no form, you know. I can only imagine that my group chat. I'd be like, I'd probably want to leave. I'd be like, some weird fed shit's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly it's so weird and then he supposedly got so mad after doing that and getting ignored or not getting enough attention people got bored with it and i think he got tired of it i guess he just started taking printouts home and then somehow uh taping them together and like photographing them from home this is how supposedly they id'd him but i i just kind of wonder like what is going on here? This is allowed to happen. If this did happen, who's delving in Adderall for, for a while? <laughs> How is that possible? Anecdotally, though, I did talk to somebody who had commented on something I or somebody else had posted and said that they had worked for the DOD for years, uh, handling like their classified systems, and said the entire thing is a mess and has to be redone. And and he said they have no control of their systems. Um, and that there's major incompetence. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. There's a right wing writer 
His first name is Malcolm. I think on Twitter, his account's Tinkzorg. But he wrote an interesting article a couple weeks ago about how in the mid-80s in the Soviet Union, there was like a, a commercial jet, uh, just a little Cessna plane from Norway flew all the way over the Soviet Union, all, almost all the way to Moscow. And the military just didn't pick it up. It was totally incompetent. And, you know, the writer was making a case, you know, that was a huge symptom that the empire was about to collapse. And he was writing the article in the context of these Chinese spy balloons. But I think it could just as easily be applied to this sloppy uh, leak of classified documents. I mean, maybe it's not not. Maybe it is just as simple as gross incompetence in a, in a dying empire that can't even do anything right. Yeah. I mean, even on that yeah. end of it, though, it is. I feel like what happened is. There was like some fucking. I think I I think even on the light end there was likely someone chilling in the group chat. You know what I mean? Like They're someone lur <laughs> someone lurking in the shadow. You know, like so <laughs> yeah. So which is the irony here because one of the main points we'll probably get is like, oh, we need more people monitoring discords. It's like that was probably because they were monitoring a Discord. So and likely they very well may have been dropping the information or at least I don't know yeah. making essentially making it worse um yes. i was mentioning i was mentioning speaking uh, of what? discord we Ooh. could this could be a good time to mention uh the buffalo shooter peyton gendron uh ken i know you put out an article about that you were looking into the former federal agent that he was allegedly in contact with in discord yeah that's right and just to tie that into jack texera he actually posted about the Buffalo shooting, oddly <laughs> enough, or somebody under the OG account name was talking yes! to his buddies about how the Buffalo shooting, the FBI had foreknowledge and <laughs> let it happen that. to it happen. You know, promote a divide in the country. Um, it, it could have been that Jack had just read the news because about a year ago, the Buffalo news based on insights sources reported that a retired federal agent was in a discord chat room where all these white supremacist and Nazi ideals are being discussed. Uh, Peyton Gendron was also there. Uh, he sent out an invite to people to live stream his, uh, the shooting that he ended up doing, uh, killing, I think 10 black people at a supermarket in Buffalo. Uh, one of the people who got his invitation and who had been communicating with him was a uh, a retired federal agent. Uh, so this was reported Why about. Why are they always retired? Yeah, <laughs> funny how that works. So right. this was reported about a year ago, and uh, nothing's happened. Yeah, I think you guys probably know the Twitter account Boltzmann Booty. He's mm -hmm. he's done a lot of good uh, threads on Buffalo and other mass shootings, and I saw a, a thread by him a couple months ago. They kind of, you know, rang some bells like, why don't I file a records request to get the interview summaries of, you know, what what the FBI was asking this retired agent. Uh, the FBI just responded to me a couple of days ago, essentially confirming that they did interview the retired Fed, but they denied me the records on the basis that the investigation is still ongoing, even though Gendron uh, pleaded guilty, he's going to prison for life. Apparently they can't make these records public. 
because there's some kind of investigation ongoing. And I should note that this is a, a common tactic that the FBI plays. Uh, the journalist Nick Bryant, he's the one who obtained Jeffrey Epstein's black book and he leaked it to Gawker. Uh, I heard him say recently that he filed a FOIA request for records on Epstein and was told by the FBI that you can't have these records because the investigation is ongoing. Epstein died, what, three, four years ago, but there's still an open investigation. So this is something that definitely needs to be reformed. Uh, the FBI could just, uh, the Kennedy investigation might still be ongoing. Maybe that's why. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get a new Always one. We'll get a new later. one soon. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. New Kennedy. Or... Yeah, we'll get a new Kennedy oh, one God, soon. <laughs> and this may be fucked up, but part of me is kind of like, because <laughs> it's like i know it's awful to say but it looks like he's lived a nice long life and it's like honestly i feel like that's uh so far as like actually uh you know mask off moment i can't think of anything better <laughs> like think of a better mask off than that like no matter how they go about it like he could mm -hmm. die of a heart attack tomorrow and they'll be like feds did it <laughs> yep <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good point. That would certainly accelerate the collapse. Yeah. yeah well, it's not even the collapse so much as it is. I, I just, because, and I guess this kind of ties back to the, to the whole OKC, because everyone's like, why does this matter? Like, this is some shit from 95. Like, well, you know, and, and I think when sometimes to, when people say, why does it matter? They're meaning like in relation to things. Like in current day, why does this matter? Like, why does this thing that happened in 1995 matter when we have, you know, World War Three looming over here? We got January 6th. We got... Uh, this that and it's like i mean granted I'll, I'll give you world war three matters more uh but, but like aside from you know something like that i i feel i really feel like this while it is older i feel like this is something that's such a slam dunk if people get on it and mm -hmm. even and like slam dunk just in convincing people if they can just look at the information and like i said it's like a rosetta stone like once you can see this this allows you to be able to see other things and, like, I think a good example of this is the Ray Epps thing. I think, like, this is kind of the perfect divide where some people have this, like, it's almost like the they live glasses or whatever, where you, like, you see what's really going on. Because I do think there are there is, like, a real contingent of people who see a Ray Epps thing and they just go, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, like, okay. Why, why are you telling me this? Like, yeah, okay, that's weird. Uh, like, what do you th what, what are you even getting at and they're like what are you, are you telling me that ray epps made all thousand people storm the capitol that's what i get sure. a lot like, oh, yeah you exactly everything i just think people go? are like don't believe in the idea there are people just don't i mean like they may have heard the concept of like provocateurs and stuff like that before they yeah. just like but they're just like no why would the fed why would the fbi want that to people happen? just yeah? think that he's just like a boomer like oh <laughs> you know he's just some crazy boomer you know <laughs> And this is like what they do, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, what's frustrating, though, is there's a lot of people who will say, yeah, the CIA, they did the color revolution in Ukraine in 2014. But these same people on the left will then scoff at the notion that J6 was some kind of color revolution when it seems to me to be, you know, the same color. Uh, pardon the pun. Yeah. They're always this the smug people that say stuff like that, or they say things that like history is written by the victors when it's convenient for them. Mm -hmm. um, it, but when it's inconvenient for them, then no, we don't question the history books, you know, and historical narratives. Uh, so it's just ridiculous. But um, 
I think Oklahoma City is important because, like you said, I think it does. It is sort of like uh, it's something that you everybody can look at now. I think given the time that has uh, gone on and all of the information that is available now that in the aftermath of that event was not available to investigators, documents and things like that, where you can just look at it and know and you can prove that they lied every step of the way you can show how they did it. Um, and I think that when people can see that, that was a, I mean, hor horrific thing. Lives were lost. And for what, you know, that's the Whitmer case is really bad. Uh, what they did to people, but like nobody died because of it. There are just people whose lives have been destroyed and they're in prison unjustly. Yeah, I, I think, and I think part of what I'm getting here, it's almost like an art of the deal shit like thing. Like if I can get you to, to be like, like at least get your head scratching with something like, okay, see, it's a lot easier to sell you on a Ray apps on a fucking, yeah. on a Michigan or this or that. And so it's like, I feel like, uh, it's like one line that always stuck out to me. And like Jesse trying to do one of like a presentation he gave is like, he's like, I don't have any like, uh, like idea that like I'm, that anyone's going to be prosecuted in, in this. And like, he's alluding to the death of his brother and just Oklahoma city bombing in general. And he's, but he's like, but I can harm the reputation of the department of justice. And that sounds petty. I think at its surface level. And, and I think he even does say, yeah, that is, that is, that's kind of me being petty and being an asshole. But uh, in a real sense, that is the only thing you really, in a real sense, you can honestly really ever hope to get out of the justice system. Not exactly. just the, the 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 apparatus that rules above us in general. Like that that's the whole game is awareness. And I'm not saying magically everyone's aware and everything's fixed, but you know, at least if people are like, "Oh, that's fucked," then we can kind of be like, "Oh, you think that's fucked? I think that's fucked. We should hang out and like and, and just kind of like apply that concept out in like a network." And it's like, I. I I think, and I also think being aware of psyops allows, prevents the effects of psyops because the whole idea is they're trying to get the public to buy in. And as long as you have a few resolute people that know what they're talking about, you kind of can quell the tide of some psyops. I mean, obviously not every single one, but I mean, I, I, it seems like a lot of the psyops in the past like decade just really haven't been hitting the way they used to back in the day. I don't know if you guys agree, yes, but I, I think that's kind of that, the point. Like, the ability to pull it off for whatever reason, probably because of the internet and social media and all of that. Um, I think that it was easier for them to control things. Uh, and that's why maybe they did things like potentially murder people like Terrence Sneaky. Maybe they wouldn't do that uh, in this day and age. They might not have a reason to because maybe he would have had the ability to say what he needed to say immediately publicly and then there's no reason to kill him at that point yeah uh, but as far as like oklahoma city um so many things came from that you know the way that people conceptualize like the 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 narrative that we have about like the uh, lone gunman like we have from jfk days like lone oh this yeah, radicalized yeah. lone wolf domestic terrorist the soldier turned like you know a, to use the skills he learned and was trained by our country like to fight our country now he like that's a, where he, he created a, he, he created a lazy fed archetype but go on <laughs> yes exactly that's yeah. right 
Yeah. And uh, that still lives with us today. And there's still people who don't know the truth of the story. But I think that for whatever reason right now, um, we're at a point culturally, and maybe it's like the the hundredth monkey thing, you know, once mm -hmm. so many people are like, okay, this was an operation. You know, we were lied to. There was a, a crazy cover up here and just everything they did was so egregious. Uh, for, for whatever reason, I think everybody can you know, agree on that now. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point too and like that they wouldn't do this now. And I guess I kind of was pushing at it a little bit as well and I didn't realize it. I, I really think that's kind of the crux of what makes OKC important is because I think just at the, they were at a point in time where I don't think they should have done it. Obviously, I don't think morally they should have done it, but like, like they were overstepping their abilities in a sense. I think we were at a weird time technologically in the mid 90s where we did have this burgeoning technology, but it wasn't quite in the state it is now, but it was the original building blocks of what we have now. So a lot of that information is still out there in the ether. We're just getting more sophisticated methods of accumulating it and processing it and putting it together in, you know, cohesive ways. <laughs> like, yeah. so like, it's like we caught them with their dick in the cookie jar. Like that, that's what happened. Like, and yeah. they, they, they were at a point where they're kind of like, Oh fuck. Like, and I think now, you know, cause you have people like Richard Booth, like Ken, I was like, you know, accumulating documents, still writing about shit from decades yeah. old. And it's just like, and then you have people like Wendy that's still doing like on the ground research, trying to do like all this stuff accumulates and, you know, and it, it, it ties into other things. Like you were mentioning with it. Like, I, I really think like, I mean, like shit, PatCon, like you look at PatCon, like really like it, it just is as simple as it comes down to like recognizing patterns because you're just like, oh, well, oh, shit. They're like damn near the same thing. And, and you, you can real deduce things from there. And if you All don't right. know your history, though, you can't stop it from repeating. You know, if people don't know the truth of what happened in the past, they're not going to know the truth of what's happening right now. Yeah. And if they've been allowed to get away with things like this, you know, um, that that's not good. <laughs> no. Yeah. Ken, you got something to say? You look like you perked up a couple of times. Oh, I just, you just hit on a key point. I think the timing of the Oklahoma City bombing is another reason why it's so important. You know, right before the Internet exploded, their op was still pretty sloppy and they didn't realize that their mistakes would be saved for the rest of time, for all eternity. I think uh fed ops these days are actually done more carefully they're able to flood the uh the zone with disinformation so it's hard to tell what's a valid conspiracy versus That's what's disinformation but you look at oklahoma city first of all it's an american story there are a few international connections but pretty much all the records everything's in english so People like us can, you know, just read the records. Uh, this isn't 9-11 where you have to read Arabic or look in Germany and all these different countries where the attack was planned. It's all right there. It's all like a storybook for people to see for themselves uh, how how corrupt things are. And I don't think we've gotten anything that uh, spelled out ever since then. And before Oklahoma City, you didn't have mass media to spread important stories. So like with the JFK story, I think certain things got buried forever because you didn't have the Internet or way to store information. It's That's that sweet spot.
I do think one of the issues that we have now is how quickly information can disappear. Everything's digitized now, uh, and I don't trust that, you know. No yeah. way. <laughs> uh, you, you said you had new uh, information on the Michigan stuff, right, Christina? Yes, I have some updates. Uh, I don't remember where things were the last time I was on uh, was, so I'll just provide like a general update. Um, uh, I think everybody knows now that Adam and Barry have been moved to Supermax. Um, as I've gotten letters from them recently, I got two from Adam, uh, one dated the uh, 14th, one dated the 19th, so not that long ago. And he said that um, he's still no contact with his lawyer. Uh, same for Barry and their lawyers are trying to contact them. I've seen letters from Mr. Sweeney, Barry's lawyer, that he sent to Barry's fiance, uh, dated in March, um, you know, where he said he was trying to get into contact with Barry. We're now almost into May. That's crazy. Uh, and just little things that they do. Uh, Adam it talks about it in his letter, and I put it up on Twitter so people can go read it. You can see it there. He talks about the conditions uh, in the Supermax. So I know it, it sounds kind of silly to go into this stuff like, well, what do you expect prison to be like? Obviously, it's not going to be nice, but they do certain things where they're supposed to they're supposed to be allowed rec time. So they're supposed to get one hour where they can kind of stretch their legs and um, whatever. And but in order to, to qualify for it, they have to get up at like five o'clock in the morning and have their beds made, but they're not given a clock. Uh, inside their cell. So they have to kind of figure out how to make sure that they're up at five o'clock in the morning and have everything ready. And then when they go through and jump through all of these hoops to be able to do that, the guards come by and just laugh at them and say, you're not getting rec time. And, and just cruel things like that. They're not allowed to access commissary. So he said that they've been barely feeding them uh, and that the food that they've been getting is not very edible. Um, he used when he was in Nuego, he used to be able to uh, purchase, you know, extra food. Uh, he's not able to do that anymore for whatever reason. He can't access that. Um, so it's just it's very sad. You know, it's it's hard, I think, being in there. And uh, I had a I had recorded a video statement uh, that Adam made for the weaponization committee that is completely gone from my computer from all of my devices it's just disappeared and i had in that same video i had interviewed his cellmate at nuego uh two of them and they'd provided like kind of i guess you could call character statements or character witness statements or whatever just like their experience with adam in there that were very touching stories that were very nice and it's just gone so i had to have adam do an, a new like write a whole new statement for the weaponization committee. So we know that that's never going to go anywhere. So I have that and I, I put that up on my sub stack. People can go and read it. Uh, it's very sad. It's just very sad. And my concern is that I want to share the information. I want people to know what's happening to Adam and Barry and Supermax, how they're being treated. But every time I publish something, I'm also concerned that it's making them a target you know, for more and worse retaliation, and then I can't do anything to help them. 
So it's just, it's a hard situation. And I think really the only thing that can be done to help them is to just keep talking about their case and to keep it in the public. So if anything happens to them, there's not an incentive for them to, for anything to happen to them. Yeah, man. Uh, are there, do you know, are there any deadlines on the illegal stuff he's, they're trying to pursue right now? Because that seems insane. I'd be able to talk to your lawyer. I mean, I don't know it, the it, particulars, you know. It's but, nuts. But, um, yeah. You know, there's the appeals process itself can take years, um, hmm. but it has been seven months since the end of the retrial for him to not have been able to speak with his appeals lawyer since being moved to Supermax uh, while the appeal is ongoing, I think is ridiculous and um, not right. Yeah, no, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, he was able to talk to you, but not as lawyer. I'm assuming you mean like over the phone. So he's able to probably send letters or, or the so, letters not getting through. So prior to them being moved, I was able to meet with them. Uh, I was able to do these video visits with them, uh, both Adam and Barry. They were able to call me. Uh, pretty much whenever they wanted, as long as they had the money in their uh, commissary to call. Uh, but when they got moved, now I can't really talk to them except through letters. So that's how it is for everybody. But their lawyers, thats it's not supposed to be that way. For their lawyers, they should be able to speak with them, whether that's by phone uh, or an in-person visit. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they should be able to speak with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Uh shit yeah no that's i don't really have much to say on that it's just that's fucked up yeah that's uh whew, uh you know uh i mean go ahead and just to hit on the theme of this episode i think i've talked about it on this show before but this is the exact same thing that happened to terry nichols when he was trying to get information out about john doe 2 he was he was put under increasingly restrictive administration measures so they could monitor his communications make sure he's not talking to reporters. Uh, the only reason he was able to give some information to Jesse Trenadu is I think Trenadu has actually appointed his attorney for a brief time. So that's the only reason we were able to get anything out of Terry Nichols. But yeah, the exact same thing they did to Nichols, they're doing to Adam Fox and Barry Croft right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's how they control, they control the information. I mean, that it does seem like from my recollections of the story of Nichols, it seems like there were probably a handful of like almost times where he almost really divulged very serious information. Don't be wrong. He has actually divulged a lot of very serious, meaningful information, but like, like the shit, like who John Doe 2 is or shit like that. Like he has almost done it. It seems like, but it seems like anytime we get to that almost, it's like, Oh, they pull the reins back in or, or something like that. Ironically, he was almost supposed to go on 60 minutes yeah. before they locked him down and wouldn't let him speak. Uh, you know, 20 some years later, 60 Minutes has gone from an actual journalism <laughs> program to now they're doing propaganda pieces on Ray Epps. So that's another um, sign yeah. of how far this in country's institu institutions have decayed. Yeah, at least they yeah. before they like kept it a little bit hidden, you know, like they would just, uh, you know, not make the story happen one way or the other, or you know, there were at least seemed to be people trying to do what, you know, needed to be done. I actually meant to ask you about the Ray Epps thing. I, I read your article about you. Uh, I guess you didn't actually talk to the daughter. I actually sent her, I saw her, I found her on Twitter and I sent her a message like, 
uh, kind of along the lines I'd like to hear more. Like if it sounds, you know, I'd be, I'd, you know, assuming, you know, you are, you say, are, I'd love to have you in the show kind of deal. Uh, what, what kind of feelings are you getting from that? There was someone who popped up claiming to be his adopted daughter with uh, alleges abuse, which I mean, don't get me wrong, that's awful, but it's kind of beside the point uh, of what we're getting at the, you know, the abuse. But I mean, I guess you could say maybe that speaks to him being a piece of shit, but you know, he did she you know in your article you were mentioning weird stuff about going to mexico like stuff that made it sound like yeah you might have been a glowing exactly <laughs> yeah and i'm still agnostic about whether this lady's legitimate but i did a little bit of a deep dive into her and you know if you go on these like people finder sites or these data broker websites to find people's email addresses numbers who they're related to she does pop up as a relative to ray epps so there's at least that indication. She's posted uh, childhood photos of people who look like her in Epps. She's mm-hmm. described in great detail her experiences, um, information about Epps and the wife that appears to be legitimate. And yeah, she she makes some disturbing allegations of um, of child abuse against Epps. Uh, but the things you referenced, um, they're more interesting to me. Is she talks about they'd make these mysterious trips to Mexico. And they'd always get pulled over by Border Patrol, not on their way to Mexico, but on their way back. The family would get placed in some kind of holding cell while Ray Epps is apparently probably calling Langley or something to straighten things out. And then they'd be on their merry way. And Ray Epps would tell his family, like, oh, they wanted to make sure we didn't have exotic fruit in the car or anything, anything like that. And so that's the story. And anybody with a brain can view that with high suspicion that was Ray Epps smuggling drugs for the government or anything. He did claim, or he did make a call saying, Hey, this is Sergeant Ray Epps. The daughter heard him making this call allegedly like you got to get me out of here. Or I'm going to shoot my way out. Um, so, and, and again, the theme of the episode, how does this relate to OKC? There are always common themes and uh, there's a, a PatCon story where uh, some of McVeigh's friends had a, 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 a buddy stuck in jail down in Mexico. And who sprung the person from jail was Dave Holloway, uh, the current NASA, NASA contractor who was friends with Strassmeyer and a bunch of other glowies. Uh, so there seems to be a common theme here where glowies can get people out of prison or help cross the border with illegal things. Uh, it's a, Again, you know, common threads. Yeah, I mean, they really are always just lurking in the shadow. Like we were talking before, that really, this whole thing, I, in my head, when you zoom out on like OKC or just really any of these stories, they're all just fucking psyops. Like, you know, like yeah. that's like the best way to put, like, it's like OKC, I think, is great because especially once you start, especially you start going to like some of Wendy's like stuff where she goes deeper on kind of like tangents that aren't really, they're only like kind of like tertiary connected to like the oklahoma city bombing and shit like when she starts getting like jack oliphant and shit and you're like oh okay like you could kind of see the the mechanisms of how they're controlling difference because like oliphant like i'm sure you remember ken like what was he i only i I can't really do perfectly but i know he was kind of a guy who you know definitely made claims about being a fed in the past he was running weird cults also was tied into these like white supremacists. So for when I see this, I say, Oh, looks like they were trying to tap into the religious side and kind of tie that into like some of the white supremacist movements. That way they can kind of create this perception of this 
there are negative aspects of this burgeoning patriot movement, and that way they can infiltrate them from different angles. So, like, the, it, it is like, and then when you start understanding the shit they were doing, uh, you know, Oliphant with what was it, his Sunshine Kids or whatever the fuck they were called. Some oh my god, called, Sunshine like, Kids. I don't know. I don't think that's right, but it's some dumb shit like that. I, I, no hallelujah people was that what it was the hallelujah people <laughs> that's not better <laughs> yeah he started weird cults and shit i mean maybe he wasn't a fed maybe he was just a crazy person but he was oh definitely goodness. a lot of ties to fed people and then like i think what i want to say it was within the week of or or not too long around the time of oklahoma city bombing i believe uh mcveigh and i think some other people were up there at his at, i don't know if he had a ranch or what but up with all the font i might be wrong on that one but there were definitely connections it, it's just weird once you start zooming out and looking at all this shit you're like oh it really is just a bunch of psyops connected to other psyops on top of a psyop it, it, yeah. it, it it's just weird because it's just like mind games it's yeah. like and, and they're yeah. like i see them sort of as like theater productions you know mm -hmm. uh staged productions and they're done like to traumatize you know think about like uh and it, it sounds kind of woo woo to say it uh but i I believe that they believe in the occult and I think that they believe in, you know, doing rituals and stuff. And I think that they try to incorporate that in, in weird ways, like through numerology or whatever of the different, different things that they do. They're little, uh, gay ops, glow ops, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Uh, I and think I think that they are designed to like traumatize society yeah, I uh, like you say woo woo. Uh, I, I yeah. it's funny. I hear a lot of concepts that people attribute to woo woo, and then I'll be able to understand them in a, like a or think of them in a more. And I, I'm sure you probably meant it that way. But like I see that, I see think like MK Ultra sort of like exactly. You know, like you don't have to. I mean, I guess giving a religious impetus behind it, I think actually plays into the MK Ultra aspect. So it was somebody with all font and the fet and the weird cult stuff going on there. Like, and then, uh, I believe, uh, was it shit? I, I want to say I might be wrong. I, I keep saying I might be wrong cause I'm not as well versed on this stuff, but I want to say Chevy Kehoe was one of his, uh, cult kids. Yeah. So like in Ke Kehoe is someone who had prior knowledge. He was at meetings for the bombings. Uh, the of biggest, the, the biggest thing for him too, is he murdered a, uh, a gun dealer or Mueller. I forget the, the dude's first name. And his family he had a daughter that was under 10. He murdered them. Uh, it was believed because they had knowledge of, you know, of stuff of happenings in Elohim city. Uh, and so like, but this was a guy that looks like was kind of mind fucked by, uh, or could it be? I mean, just a simple fact. He was in these weird cults where there was a lot of weird shit going on there. Uh, I mean, I, I really keep saying weird stuff, but it really is. There's, it is though. I mean, yeah. just the, to to bring it to uh, modern, you know, times, modern cases of of why that's relevant. What you're describing, weird cult things that were happening in Elohim City. I know I've talked about it before, but to be the, clear, I think he was in Arizona, but it, it was tied in. But go on. Okay, um, the, I've talked about it before. Uh, the American chapter of the Order of Nine Angles, the O9A, uh, was. Um, led by a man who was long suspected of being uh, some kind of informant or intelligence operative. He was engaging in these very bizarre, like brainwashing type techniques, giving young kids alcohol and drugs and then doing weird things, you know. Um, 
and he was uh he was um publishing books these satanic neo-nazi propaganda books that were encouraging people to uh infiltrate law enforcement the military as part of joining their group they want you to go undercover and like do that for whatever reason but it, it encourages uh pedophilia it encourages um callings uh so the fbi was paying for this this guy had been an informant since 2003 uh, and the FBI had um, funded his publishing house that was producing the satanic neo-Nazi propaganda. They gave it over $200,000. Okay. So the FBI was effectively running a neo-Nazi publishing house. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, same thing, trying to create like domestic terrorists, you know, all of these so-called like white supremacy, the big white supremacy threat, all these groups, that's just them creating them or infiltrating pre-existing groups that weren't really groups like Adam Waffen, that were a bunch of kids trying to be edgy online by posting fascist imagery. And then they meet this FBI informant and then they start getting these crazy ideas and becoming radicalized and, and the use of, of brainwashing techniques on them, giving them mushrooms and alcohol and stuff when they're underage. And this guy's working for the FBI. They're not supposed to be doing stuff like that, but they do yeah. and they get away with it. I mean, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, uh, Wendy painting has a bunch of uh, friends who are researchers kind of on the, I think they're Marxists and far left uh, <laughs> researchers. I haven't, looked into all their work, but they make the case that this goes back decades. Uh, there's a lot of fringe religious groups and cults that are basically intelligence operations. Uh, you know, a hundred years ago, this was a mechanism for how the U.S. would spy on China or certain communist countries. You can't send anybody there, but you could send church missionaries there and maybe sneak in a couple feds or CIA people and so, you know, the camel got its nose under the tent back then, and uh, the operations have just become more sophisticated over time. In fact, I think some of Wendy's friends contend that Waco, uh, Mount Carmel, was some kind of intelligence psyop operation. And the reason really? they burnt it down was to kind of cover up the evidence of what uh, the Glowies were doing there. I don't know if I buy that theory. I think the left has kind of ascribed too much control and intentionality on the part of government. I'm more of the view that random things happen and people kind of react. Um, but I'm open to the idea. Yeah. yeah, I hear that about Waco, and I just feel like you mentioned they were lefties, and I, I guess I could kind of understand how a lefty would see that. I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up in the country. I grew up religious. Uh, I don't know. I guess me looking into Waco, like, don't get me wrong, they seemed a little weird. There was weird shit going on there, but it didn't seem so off to where I'd be like, yep, completely an op. Like, uh, I don't know. Maybe they have stuff to go off of, but I can, if you're someone who had, wasn't grown up in the country, didn't grow up in religious areas like i guess you in or around guns and stuff like that you, they would seem very odd and foreign i mean don't get me wrong some of the stuff that was going on there is definitely not something i was familiar with growing up because i know there were allusions to him marrying like what 15 16 year olds <laughs> like 
but like point being is like it seems to be some of the other or 14 some of the other aspects of like kind of the culture there and the, it, i don't know it, it, and i've i remember i've gone on semi deep dives on his religious beliefs and it's like i don't know i mean i don't believe it i mean i mean i'm not religious at all but uh, i grew up in the church and so i kind of have a decent understanding so i was like i don't know i guess it kind of somewhat makes sense if you understand this passage that way or that one this way a little kooky, but whatever. You, you, you can kind of get nuts when you try to understand Revelation. So. Yeah. Well, he did predict tanks rolling down his driveway, and a lot of the Branch Davidians still consider him to be a prophet. And you know, he he got more things right than a lot of other. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and it wasn't even, I guess, like he was necessarily doing death by suicide because I hear that and go, well, that's a self fulfilling prophecy. Like, I bet you, I can get shot by cops. <laughs> <laughs> but i guess tanks in your yards a little bit specific uh shit yeah no god i, I just totally brain farted good point. uh oh man uh ken lately you've been on a tear on the vegas shooting stuff so i, I kind of yes. want to kill i want to probably peter out on that on the vegas shooting stuff because i mean that's one people always want to talk about but it's like and people are always ask me to do like a series on it and it's like the information is so cluster fucked it's like i don't and like i'd have never run across someone that i would even semi call an expert or whatever or something close to it to like kind of you know bring me along in the series like i would say the i would recommend mindy robinson she did a, a pretty good documentary on it okay um as somebody that might uh be someone to bring on i'd actually be interested to hear what she thinks about the uh, documents that just came out. I feel like if I remember Bindi, she's huge. I doubt I'll get her on the show, but I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> hey, yeah, she's nice. Mind? <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a try. Uh, what do we say, Ken? All right. What are you saying? We're not. We're not huge. Come on. <laughs> no, you're big, big dogs. <laughs> Isn't she like fucking? What is she on? Is she on like Blaze or some shit? She's on some big stuff. Yeah. She think. might be. I think she's something. Some sort of. She's like on that line between corpo and like, mm -hmm. you know, legit. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, all right, Ken, what the fuck is going on? Uh, was it black helicopters? Was it a, was it, was it some like weird drug deal gone wrong or whatever political uh, espionage or whatever the fuck? I know those are the two ones everyone goes to. The helicopters did it. And then there's some weird fucking claims. There was some um, state, you know, thing that went bad that they used the shooting as a cover-up or some shit uh obviously i'm being silly i'm not asking you asking you sir but like, what have you been covering uh, yeah mindy might be better to speak to that i wouldn't consider myself an expert by any means on the las vegas shooting i've just broken a couple bombshell stories and again it's just a sad commentary on the state of american journalism that um okay so the fbi dropped a whole a new trove of documents about a thousand uh, memos, various records about what agents were doing in the days and weeks after uh, the shooting, the deadliest mass shooting in American history. Uh, so when these documents dropped, the, the Associated Press picked up on a couple memos that uh, talked about Paddock losing money gambling and being mad at the casino for not giving him all his comps and perks as a high <laughs> roller. And AP kind of presented this as a possible motive for the attack. And there was one other story where I think Newsweek found a record 
again, uh, the theme of the episode, Stephen Paddock was allegedly a fan of Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols, which that's just idiotic. I mean, anybody that's watched this show for five minutes knows that even if you're a Nazi white supremacist, nobody treats McVeigh and Nichols as heroes. <laughs> I mean, no. maybe I could understand McVeigh to some because I actually have seen people who kind of stand for him and kind of like I'll see people like, well, at least you fucking did something. You're like, okay, well, you're an idiot and you haven't really thought about it deeply. But Nichols. Like, I don't even understand. Like, I mean, exactly. no, wrong. I'm not even trying to be mean to the guy, but it's like, if you understand his role in the, in the whole narrative, it's kind of like, it kind of seems like he's a bit of a bitch. <laughs> Definitely a pushover. Definitely a pushover. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Okay. So yeah, I saw these stories on the FBI records and I said, well, I got to see these FBI records for myself. And mind you, they, they had been sitting publicly for anybody to inspect them for over a week at that point. And I start scrolling through these records and just seeing stuff that was blowing my mind. I have uh, interviews with people who knew Paddock, who would talk, um, said Paddock would complain about having like a brain chip in him, or he would wake up at, screaming at night. Uh, there was rumors that he had been a patient at a psych hospital um, they said we found several people named Stephen Paddock in this hop- hospital's database, but they downplayed it because that person had a difference to show social security number, even though Timothy McVeigh had multiple social security numbers. Um, so yeah, I did a couple stories just on the severe mental illness that's described in these records about Paddock. And this, this, it seems to me is he, he had, he had a lot of problems and one of the reasons I think this is very important is because a lot of people, including the Department of Homeland Security, is trying to classify this attack as anti-government terrorism, even though it's not even clear that this was terrorism at all. There wasn't really a political motive, and it wouldn't make sense for a supposed right-wing terrorists to shoot at a bunch of, you know, country music attendees who are probably conservative. They're probably all armed. Like it was allegedly he wanted to wake up people. So they arm themselves. Well, these guys are already armed. So the notion that this is a terrorist attack, let alone an anti-government attack is totally fallacious. But um, the last story on this I've done, I think a week ago was the DHS actually funded uh, University of Maryland, some think terrorism think tank housed in the college to uh, do a study on how this is anti-government terrorism. And now I, the DHS is probably using that as a feedback loop to divert more resources to counterterrorism uh, methods on the basis of classifying the deadliest shooting as anti-government terrorism. It's kind of a similar dynamic as, as the Twitter files where some government-funded think tank will raise the alarm about uh, Russian bots on Twitter, and then that'll lead to the DHS cracking down on government bots. It seems to me is like a similar uh, feedback loop. It's nuts. <laughs> Man, I was, uh, I mean, I, I read, I think, a couple of stories when they came out. I remember the uh, the crazy stuff, like, uh, you know, about his mental health and stuff, and it's funny. We keep bringing back to OKC, and this is, you know, why this shit all ties, like, that is actually an aspect of the story too with Timothy McVeigh is, I mean, I, this is another part when it comes to get, get like, 
some of the stuff when you get zooming far out and some of the stuff more on the outskirts of what is actually essential OKC store, I get a little bit more fuzzy with. So like the, I think they call it the experimental soldiers the way it's usually, uh, uh, you know, um, pers- or the archetype that, uh, of that, uh, you know, narrative that is the way I think Wendy usually puts it. And some people mm-hmm. will put it as the experimental sh- soldier aspect of McVeigh, but that was a thing. I mean, for one, there was obviously, there was the, where, where, where most people will jump off of and get into the, the experimental soldier. I guess it's less experimental, just straight up soldier, but that he did supposedly, uh, you know, according to him, uh, you know, only to him, we don't really have anything else to back it up aside from his words. Is he, he supposedly went, did some covert black ops shit as opposed to dropping out of the special forces training he was in. But then on top of that, then you end up with this weird stuff. Like his, you look at his medical record and you look at something ridiculous, like what, 50 to 70 dental visits or some shit. There is stuff where he complains that he believes they put like implants in him. And like, there is st- weird stuff when you look into it, like about his like mental health where he'll make claims one time and then make something that's complete opposite claim another time. And this isn't like stuff that's like, Oh, he might just be changing the narrative to fuck with you. It's like just weird shit where you're like, does he just not know? Mm-hmm. Like you, you mm-hmm. kind of makes you wonder the state of his brain. Cause I know a lot of people might think I'm alluding to how he, he actually did give multiple narratives of his backstory essentially to different people throughout. But I'm alluding to stuff where they'll be like, just weird shit about his medical records in like a matter of fact way and be like, no, I never did that. And you're like, dude, I'm looking at the record right here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, shit, like, I can't remember. I wish I like, I, I need to dig into that more. I guess for me, I'm more like that doesn't like, that is when you start, you, you get, if you get someone to buy onto that shit, they're already with you anyways. So, like, <laughs> I think like, Wendy painting says it probably more funny than I do, but I guess McVeigh, his first meeting with initial set of lawyers, the first thing he says is, I'm not a brainwash victim. (laughs) Yeah, that's something a brainwash victim definitely wouldn't say. Just had to get that out of the way. Right off the top, the lawyers are like, we never said you were. (laughs) Yeah, because that was a big thing with him. He was really obsessed with being was saying like I think it was even his like uh it was in a poem that he left I forget the 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 poem like his his last words on this earth essentially were like a poem and it was like I'm the master of my essentially the master of my destiny I forget mm-hmm. the exact quote and like but the weird it weirdly when you read it and you understand his backstory it almost comes off as like cope or like he's trying to convince himself like no like it's almost like it makes you think like it's someone who did have their mind fucked with. And it's just like, no, like it's trying to like almost reassert like, you know, dominion over their own brain, essentially being like this. Yeah. No, like, like that's the way it comes off to me. Cause it doesn't, doesn't like, it's a weird thing for anyone to say really, uh, you know, it, given the context, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it. This is pattern recognition, but it's like, there's, I don't know. When you get into like the backstory of Timothy, Tim, you're like, Okay, well, weird shit's going you. on. <laughs> I'm there with you. And there's, you know, Paddock. Apparently, he did hang out in the gun show circuit. Um, yeah. He has ties, <laughs> but he's a former IRS. Like, he's got ties to Lockheed Martin and all these mm-hmm. weird. Was he uh, Evergreen he was tied to somehow, I believe? Uh, yeah. I think, I think so. yeah. Or you no, know, it was one of those other cutouts, but it, maybe it was Evergreen. I don't know. But like, I know there is like, if you follow the trail, like planes and weird shit he's bought recently, you get to some a few Fed cutouts. Like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, he worked for a company that was bought by Lockheed. I don't remember the name of that company. Yeah. Oh. 
Oh, well, shit. Yeah, no, we uh, we kind of got into the crazy stuff here at the end. <laughs> it's weird. It all kind of like intersected with each other, too. And it's like, uh, I, you know, I want to bring up, and I've brought this on my show before, because it weirdly ties into, but I think it, it sets the timeline back a little bit to what we were talking about. If you look into the Manson stuff, like if anyone everyone read Chaos by Tom O'Neill, you see, like he, he leaves a pretty good document trail that it seems to be there was something similar going on there where he clearly had some sort of cult thing going on. There were fed entities in the background or I mean, not fed and but shadowy entities in the background that seem to always get them out of trouble. Uh, there, there's a lot of weird shit there. And it is like it, it this is what I'm kind of getting at with once you can kind of identify these patterns and kind of overlay them with the other things going on at different times, you can kind of see, cause this ties into the experimental soldier, the cult stuff we were talking about, uh, you know, paddock, this type, like once you start recognizing these patterns, you can kind of just go nuts with it. Cause it's like, I, I don't know, like how, how, how am I trying to express this? Like that is the earlier versions of the stuff we were describing essentially, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the cult stuff, it's just like mind fuckery. And, and it's kind of like, they've just found, it's almost like they went down different skill trees in a fucking, in a video game, you know, like that's how it yeah. reads to me. You're like, Oh, well, yeah, okay, this one took on more of a religious vibe, and you know, uh, but they probably incorporated this with that. And it, it's just, it becomes too easy, you know, when you get it. If anything, you get the trick is to not get too sure of yourself and be like, yep, this is this. <laughs> like that, that's the biggest trick once you start figuring out the patterns going on and how these different individuals work. But with that, let's go ahead and get out of here. We're almost an hour and a half. We've covered a lot of shit. It's been. It's been, uh, we've been going through, let's uh, go through, let's do plugs again. Uh, Christina, if you want to go and give your plugs, people know who you are, where they can find you, uh, yes. whatever new stuff you're working on, etc. I, I'm still working on the Whitmer documentary, which apparently is just going to take up all of my time until it's done. <laughs> um, and you can see if my channel is Radix Verum. You can also subscribe to the official uh, YouTube channel for the documentary, which is just K&K Film on YouTube. Awesome. Ken? Uh, headline USA, libertarianinstitute.org. Awesome. Uh, looking forward to more work from you. Uh, and I promise, audience out there, I'll try to get back to some other stuff besides OKC stuff, but it's like a twofold thing. It's kind of like this thing where, like, one, I've been ta- I, a lot of people have been wanting me to talk about it. I've been going to different shows, so I've been talking about it a lot. Uh, and then so two, I'm also just obsessed with it right now. So I, I'm sorry. I just cover shit I want to talk about. I don't want to tell you. But I'll try to get back to some of my theory shit and stuff here soon. Uh, but, uh, oh, I forgot. I had one question I wanted to ask you, Ken, from a patron uh, uh, that they put on. They, they requested to be asked on a patron. Uh, I mean, maybe you have something for this. I don't know. Uh, do they think it would be possible to find missing felons and soldiers that disappeared around the time of the Oklahoma City bombing? They could give us the answer to the extra leg belongs to from the John uh, for the for the bombing site. Uh, the answer to that is no. The leg was lost. It was one other piece of evidence that the FBI destroyed. This was revealed by the uh, the FBI whistleblower, Dr. Frederick Whitehurst. He was like a PhD who worked in the crime lab, exposed a bunch of corruption in relation to I think the OJ trial, TWA, and also Oklahoma, Waco. And the, the missing leg was one of the things that unfortunately is lost to eternity. I mean, this may sound awful, but it's kind of like, what? 
does that, I don't know what, it, I mean, I guess I don't want to say what does that matter? Cause it is a human being, but I guess like the fucked up part of me is kind of like, all right, well we're at 168 and one quarter. I don't think we can really report this number. So legs gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, could be a key. it could be, a, it could be John Doe too. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess it's like, I don't know if there's things to point to that, that there's a reason for it. Cause I, 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 I guess I could just see government workers being like, this sounds like a lot of work to figure out the other three quarters of whatever the hell this is. So uh, we could just round down here. <laughs> uh, but all right. Uh, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and get out of here. I appreciate you guys' time. Uh, if you guys want to check out my work, I mean, you're already at my show, but I'm also on, I'm on YouTube, on Major Arpockers Aussie as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Tower Gang Jose. Uh, you know, uh, I think that's all I got with that. I appreciate Oh, I thought she's. She looked, she was staring at the screen. I thought she was really serious looking at something, but I guess she just, uh, her, her signal left. But with that, I uh, appreciate both of you. Um, I got a great episode with great guests. Thanks so much all for putting together from Bonghorn Langhorn. And with that, we are out of here. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, thanks again.